Hey, this is Ash Cash with another powerful episode of the Ash Cash Show. We have Mr. Lawrence Watkins with us today, and he is the president of the Black Business School. And when I tell you, he is dropping some gems today about the power or the necessity for the black community to build up its economic base. We actually also play some clips from Dr. Martin Luther King and Maggie Anderson that also contributes to this notion and this urgent need for the black community to build up its economic base. But this is a powerful show. You don't want to miss it. A lot of great information on black liberation, but also why it's important. So... Enough for me. Let's just make it happen. WHCR 90.3 FM, New York. I ain't talking about rich. I'm talking about wet, wet, wet. Money ain't a thing. Money ain't a thing. Money in the bank. Money in the bank. We can talk, but money talk. So talk money. Ash cash show. 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 You are now tuned in to the Ash Cash Show, your number one source for financial motivation. Get your mind and your money right. Welcome to the Ash Cash Show every Friday, 7 p.m. WHCR 90.3 FM, New York, the voice of Harlem with Ash Cash, Miss Tashima Jones. Uh, first of all, special birthday shout out to Tashima Jones. Uh, so she's not in today, but, you know, special B-Day shout out. You know, I got my man D-West. D-West is in the building. Yeah, yeah, we here. So I got my man, my man D-West holding us down. Um, and so today we have an exciting show, um, you know, lined up. And, and, and definitely it's a needed show. Dr. Martin Luther King uh, was killed uh, April 4th, you know, mm-hmm. 1968. Um, and so right, right in April 4th, we were commemorating 50 years uh, since his assassination and one of the things I've always realized or noticed is that whenever Dr. King's birthday comes up or whenever people would commemorate Dr. King, what they would focus on is his I have a dream speech. Hmm. And they would talk about, you know, him having a dream, um, you know, and it was a, a, a fight for civil rights. Um, And as we know, you know, there were laws that were passed that allowed black and brown people to have uh, civil rights. But I just found it interesting and I find it interesting that they don't really publicize or focus on some of his later speeches. Right. Because if you think about it, I have a dream that speech was 1963. And so, which was a great speech and it was, you know, it was really powerful, but it was 1963, which means that there was another five years of his life that he was focusing on something. We don't know what he was focused. I mean, we know what he's focused on, but 
you know, people or history is not telling that side of it. What was he focusing on for the final five years of his life? And the answer to it is that he has been focusing on economic injustice, right? Economic empowerment, things of that nature. So, you know, I normally start the show with uh, an inspirational word, but I wanted to start the show differently today because in commemorating 50 years of Dr. King's death or assassination, um, I wanted to, you know, kind of focus a little bit on black economic injustice and, and, and really like, you know, why is it important? Um, many people who may not understand the black experience may, you know, think of it like, you know, you know, why do we have to focus on black lives matter? Why do we have to focus on, uh, you know, black economic justice? Aren't we all Americans? And, you know, I remember the other day I posted a uh, video. I had uh, a shirt on that says I am black excellence. I mean, the guy was like, hey, you know, can, can you give me a shirt that says I am white excellence? You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, there are reasons why. Uh, there has to be a focus on black economic, black excellence, black lives matter, black businesses, things of that nature. So I'm going to play this clip um, and to, to give some context to anybody uh, who may, you know, who may have a question, right? Who, you know, to my white brothers and sisters out there, to my Hispanic brothers and sisters out there, um, you know, it's not, you know, you know, uh, raising up our race is not about exclusion it's not about you know trying to uh separate ourselves but it is important for us as black people to you know you know band together and we, and, and again this clip is going to talk to you talk talk about why but then after we we play the clip i have an exciting guest that is doing some great things so we're going to play this clip real quick this is uh, Maggie Anderson, and if you don't know who Maggie Anderson is, uh, she is the author of uh, My Black Year, uh, but it's a powerful clip, so I'm going to play this real quick. This is Maggie Anderson, and this is talking about black economic injustice. Philanthropy is commendable, but it must not cause a philanthropist to overlook the circumstances of economic injustice which make philanthropy necessary. Dr. Martin Luther King said that. Now, what is this economic injustice he was talking about? What are these circumstances he was talking about? In America, in the Asian community, the dollar circulates among the community's banks and retailers and professionals for about 28 days before it leaves the community. In uh, Jewish communities, that circulation period is about 19 days. In WASP communities, uh, predominantly white areas, if you will, uh, the dollar stays uh, 17 days. Uh, my Hispanic brothers and sisters keep their dollar for about a week. And in the black community, the community Dr. King was slain fighting for, we keep our dollar for six hours. Let me tell you what that means in real life terms. That means in Asian communities, uh, Asian kids get to see business owners who look like them every day, all the time. There are Asian banks and insurance companies and grocery stores all over the community, and those uh, businesses employ from the community, and the families take care of those businesses, and vice versa. Asian unemployment in America is at a low 4 to 5%. Most Asian Americans, over 50%, are self-employed or employed by Asian firms. 
that those circumstances, that economic and business growth, lead to high educational attainment. Uh, there's a uh, business and political power, low poverty, strong businesses, uh, low crime in Asian neighborhoods. Six hours in the black community, let me tell you what that means. That means that black kids can't see business owners who look like them every day. There are no black-owned grocery stores and dry cleaners and pharmacies and clothing stores locally owned in the black community. So the people there cannot get jobs, much less create jobs in the community. So black unemployment in places like Detroit, Gary, and Oakland, sometimes 40%. And those circumstances lead to social problems like recidivism, high crime, high gang and drug activity, poverty. That's what's going on with those six hours. And those disparities cause the same kind of problems in the corporate space. 60% of the money that is spent with Asian suppliers in corporate America, so your Asian professional firms, Asian products you see on the shelves, used to be spent with black-owned businesses. And the same kind of shift has happened between Hispanic businesses and black-owned businesses. That's why when you go into a grocery store, you'll see whole aisles full of products coming from Asian companies, from Hispanic companies. So let's go to the grocery store, the drugstore, and see where the black-oriented products are. You go there, you'll see products like these. You'll see Spoken Wave, and Less Jam, and Smooth and Shine, and Dark and Lovely, and Strength of Nature, and Dark and Natural, and Stay Soft Fro. All those products, products that only black people buy every day. 100% black market. All those products are owned by L'Oreal, a company out of France. All those billions of dollars leave the black community. Some of that money could come back if L'Oreal had supplier diversity, as L'Oreal was doing any business with black-owned firms. L'Oreal only has black buyers, no black suppliers. Same deal with Hennessy. Hennessy, Wall Street Journal estimates between 60 to 80% of Hennessy's U.S. market comes from the black community. That means that Hennessy closes down tomorrow without black consumers billions and billions of dollars going outside of the community. Hennessy has no black distributors, no black suppliers, does not advertise in black-owned media, or use black-owned advertising agencies. So, bottom line, most of the businesses in black areas are not black-owned. Most of the products catering to black culture don't come from black companies. Black unemployment is highest among other any group in America. Black firms are the highest employer of black people. So, I can give you more. Uh, Chicago, 60 KFC franchises, most of them full of black people and black money every day. None of them owned by black franchisees. I'm just trying to give you this picture of the circumstances of economic injustice Dr. King referred to. And what I hope we can do is I can get you to understand that if this is the picture of economic injustice he was thinking about. Can we look at the opportunity, or maybe the duty, or at least the right to do something about that economic injustice? All kind of folks rally if a white racist shoots an unarmed black teen, and then we protest a legal system that would let that killer go free. Now, will we rally, will we come together if that unarmed black boy gets shot by a black gangbanger? And that happens because that black boy lives in a place that is so economically depleted 
so poor and the people there are so angry and so frustrated that that place has become a war zone overrun by drug activity? Will you protest for that economic injustice? Will you protest for economic injustice? D West, what's your thoughts on that, man? Um, on which which part? Like like just in general, like what she, what she was just saying, man. Like you know how how little the do, the black dollar circulates in the black community. You know how there's no real diversity within you know you know corporate corporations, like all of that stuff. Like just what's your overall thoughts? Um, I just think it's you know. Six hours, yeah. You know, um, the the black dollar stays in the black community for six hours. Man, that, right there, when I hear that, you know, I just think, you know, as soon as we get money, we spend it mm. ASAP. You mm-hmm, know, whether mm-hmm. it's like she spoke about Hennessy, and Hennessy has no black suppliers, has no, you know, black, you know, sixty markets, to eighty percent know. of their sales come from That's the crazy. black community. Bro. You know, so it's just right there. It's just like, you know, what are we doing with our money? Yeah, and you know. Like she said, it's not that, you know, the black community doesn't have money. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that what we're doing with our money, you know, we're giving it to these, like she spoke about L'Oreal, you know, we're giving it to these these corporations who are already multi-million, multi-billion dollar companies, and all of this money is leaving the black community. So if we can get away to shift our mindset mm-hmm. and spend that black mo- those black dollars in black communities, there's hope. No, absolutely. All right, man. So, so there is hope, um, and so we have Mr. Lawrence Watkins on the line with us, who is the president of the Black Business School. Mr. Watkins, how are you, sir? I'm doing excellent, man. How are you doing today, Ash? Hey, man, I'm doing. I'm doing so well. Got to give you a round of applause. I uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. So, so before before we we jump in. Um, you know, and and talk about what you're doing with the Black Business School. I just it's it's a, it's, it's 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 a quick story, and uh, you know, want to talk about just my appreciation for this brother, right? Um, you know, when 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 I, you know, everybody knows that my uh, career started in banking. I was a banker. I uh, did that for you know about you know ten, fifteen years, off and on, right? But but when I first jumped out as an entrepreneur. Um, I decided that, man, I was going to write some books. I was going to do some speaking. Uh, and the first, you know, I was like reaching out to like, you know, speaking bureaus and people to pick me up. And, you know, no one would, would sort of give me a shot. But the first brother who put me on uh, on their, you know, speaking bureau was Mr. Lawrence Watkins of the Great Black Speakers Speaking Bureau. And I remember... Uh, you know, getting booked. Like I actually, I don't know if I could say the amount on the radio, but <laughs> you know, but I actually got like my first, you know, couple of you know thousands of dollars uh, f- fee for speaking. Like I didn't, I didn't realize that there was that much money in the speaking business. And so, you know, he emailed me and his team emailed me and said, we, you know, we had a school down in, um, I forget where the, where the school was, uh, but it was the HBCU. And they were like, you know, they, they, they want you to do a keynote. It was about 200, 300 kids. I was excited because, you know, prior to that, I only maybe spoke to, you know, 50 people, you know. And so this is a, my biggest crowd, my biggest payday. Uh, so, brother, I appreciate you first and foremost, man, you know. You know, I, Man, I, you know what? I don't even think I knew all of that because I think Diana, uh, who was running Great Black Speakers at the time for me, um, I think she's the one who was you know, spearheading that, and that, that's great to hear. But we did definitely see a lot of talent in you and a lot of excellence that uh, we wanted to leverage you know, for the black community and the audience. 
So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a very powerful and uh, inspiring story to hear. I'm glad you shared that with me. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so, to, you know, before again, before we jump into the Black Business School, you know, we always like to uh, ask our guests or talk to our guests and find out, you know, more about their story. And so if you could enlighten us and our listeners on who is Lawrence Watkins? <laughs> Lawrence Watkins is a very quiet, mild-mannered individual. That's, that's first and foremost, but uh, someone who definitely loves the black community and really wants to see us win. So, you know, the world is a very competitive place, and um, it's very difficult for, you know, African Americans to get ahead uh, in some markets due to, you know, some a lot of uh, structural um, oppression and structural uh, things that are wrong with this country that, you know, keep us behind. Um, but then also mental, right? So we've been programmed in a certain way, um, and we need to change that. So, you know, one of my life's visions or life goals is to uh, make sure that, you know, I'm a beacon of light, and, you know, I use my skills that um, as much as I possibly can to, you know, remove the impediments, um, you know, that are, you know, keeping black people from winning, um, you know, helping black people win for the future uh, using the skills that I have. So, you know, that's where I come from. I worked at a large car manufacturing company, and I hated going to the factory every day making things that I really didn't care about. So I had a decision to make after college. I continued going down that path of engineering. I had a couple of job offers from, you know, Bank of America, General Electric, and other places uh, like that through uh, the National Society of Black Engineers. But I decided to go in a different direction. Um, I turned on those corporate offers, and I moved to Syracuse, New York, uh, to help my older brother, uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins, uh, build his speaking career. So at the time, Boyce was a professor of finance at uh, Syracuse University. Um, he was doing well. You know, he was making six figures, you know, living a life. Um, but that wasn't really enough for him, right? So, you know, he was learning all this valuable information about Wall Street investments and uh, the stock market. But the only people that he was educating, for the most part, were white students and Asian students at Syracuse University. Uh, and that didn't really sit right with him. So uh, he wanted to get out there and speak about, you know, uh, finance, black social commentary, education, um, and he wanted me to help lead his speaking or build his speaking career. Uh, so I took that leap of faith back in June 2006. Uh, my parents were extremely nervous and extremely sad that I went that direction, or they were they were scared, right? Um, because who you know who turns down you know sixty seventy thousand dollars a year? to go work on the entrepreneurial pipe dream with the older brother named Coco. You know, that was my boy's nickname, you know, Coco, right? Yeah. And, uh, but I didn't care because I knew that was just the path for me. Um, I knew I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, and uh, this was an opportunity to make that happen. Um, never took a sales class before, uh, never really even took a marketing class, anything like that. So when I got up there, there was a lot of stuff that I needed to learn. Uh, so st- day by day, step by step, I read books on different subjects related to business. Um, I applied what I learned the next day, and then at night I would uh, evaluate how the day went uh, to try to improve for the future. And we did this, and I did this, and over a very short amount of time, we got voice booked for many speaking engagements, maybe like, you know, let's call it, you know, six, or six to eight a month. Um, and we realized that we were onto something. Nice. Uh, so, you know, Boyce being the wise older brother that he is, he said, you know, Lawrence, you're doing this for me. Why don't you start doing this for other people as well? 
and uh, say, you know what, boys, you're right. And that's how we launched uh, Great Black Speakers in January 2007, about six months um, after I moved up to uh, Syracuse. Uh, we grew. Uh, we started with a roster of 12 speakers. Uh, we've grown it to include over 300 different speakers in all different price ranges, categories, uh, backgrounds. And the goal of it is to uh, help create conversations in color, right? So we want to create these conversations on these campuses and in universities and corporations um, regarding uh, anything that you can think of. But we think it's important for the black voice to be heard, and that happens through the speakers that we have. Uh, so I ran that. I uh, decided to go back to business school uh, for a couple of years. I went to Cornell, Cornell University in upstate New York, uh, received my MBA, and uh, after that, uh, you know, did, started a couple other companies, uh, which led me to my current position uh, now as uh, the president uh, and chief operating officer of uh, Boyce Walking Enterprises in the Black Business School. Nice, my man. So, like. That was so concise. So first of all, thank you so much, right, for really kind of running that down because I think that's, you know, really important so, you know, for people to, you know, get the, you know, the 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 death and the breadth of, you know, your experience and, you know, and 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 how you um, you know, how, how and why you're doing what you're doing now and I appreciate that. Uh don't want to glaze over, right, Cornell? Sort of like a big deal, you know what I'm saying? Let's not let's not, you know, let's 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 not downplay that Ivy League and all that. So, you know what I'm saying? You know, uh, congrats to you on that. And then so talk to us about um, the Black Business School. So I know, you know, that the Black Business School uh, is about empowerment. It's about really helping, you know, our community. But talk to us about why why is there a need now for the Black Business School? Yeah, so that's, a, that's an excellent question. And, you know, I don't downplay Cornell. Um, it was an excellent experience, and I'm glad that I have it. Right, but I realized that you know I was uh, one of the I guess I don't know if it was fortunate or unfortunate, like fortunate in terms of you know building the network and uh, getting that brand behind me from that perspective, but unfortunate because uh, I had to take out a lot of debt to mm-hmm. you know get that degree in business administration, mm-hmm. um, and you know I think that you know as black people we have a few different problems you know that occur. One is uh, if we go to these big name Ivy League schools, uh, you know, we get the brand, but we are under so much debt that we can never recover from it. Mm. Fortunately, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, so you know, if I work hard enough and smart enough, um, there there are ways around that to you know make um, an exceptional amount of you know money and cash to support my family um, and to support future generations of the Watkinses, right? Mm. Um, but not everyone goes that direction. Um, and then also, uh, you know, business school, we realized, so, you know, I was a student in business school at a great business school, and boys taught for 12 years in business school, and we realized that business school was were for people who wanted to go and manage other people's money. Mm. If you want to go out here and build your own wealth, then business school is not for you. Uh, it's, it's really designed for people who want to go manage other people's money. Mm. Like, not one time in business school did I ever take a class on sales. Mm. Sales is the lifeblood of your company, and not one time did they sell that. Mm. Not one time did I have a class on e-commerce. Uh, e-commerce is the way business is done now. Look at Amazon. Uh, but not one time did I have a class on that. So I realized that business school, and boys did too, that business school isn't uh, teaching us or isn't teaching students what they need to know. 
And in addition to that, it's not even like black people have that much access to these top-level business schools either, right? So when in my class at Cornell, I think, you know, the population may have been like 4 to 5% black students. Mm. Um, and it's like that at most top business, or most top business schools in the country. Uh, so we just saw these problems, and we said, why are we giving so much credibility emphasis to these white institutions when we could probably go out here and create something better? Mm. And uh, that's what we did. So the purpose of the Black Business School is to help African Americans obtain a culturally relevant yet practical education in all things wealth building at a price that they can afford. Um, as a company, we believe in three, uh, we call it the, the Black Core Three. Uh, we believe that we must uh, educate our own children in our own community. We must create strong black businesses, and then we must uh, support the businesses that we create. Uh, so everything that we do with BWE and also the Black Business School goes back to you know those three uh, key pillars um, of uh, black financial empowerment. And uh, we're dead serious about the mission. So uh, yeah, so we have a lot of different tracks uh, with regards to the Black Business School, and we can get into those in a second here. Wow, man, that's so powerful. And I, and I appreciate, uh, you know, you and, and everything you do. And it's funny, right? Like, you know, the the Watkins family is just a giving family because, you know, special shout out to Dr. Boyce Watkins, uh, because when I wrote my first book and, and I, I don't even think, you know, I connected with you through, you know, Boyce. I'm not sure. I don't think so. But when I wrote my first book, um, you know, Boyce gave me a, a quote on it um, and he was he actually was the first person to interview me or give me some, you know, spotlight, you know, as a banker uh, when he was over at AOL. Um, and so he, he was mm. he was doing um, he was doing a show on AOL um, and and it was like, I guess, before Black Voices or whatever the case may be. Or, or I don't know if it was named Black Voices, but I remember it was like 2010 ish, 2011. Um, you know, he had that show. Uh, and he, you know, he interviewed me and he was able to, you know, you know, f- from that, I was able to get other opportunities and then, you know, really continue. So I, so I, I appreciate him, you know, you know, for, for, for the, for the platform, giving me that, you know, back and back when I first started. Uh, but then also just even today, um, you know, just watching what he, what he does and, um, you know, he's definitely the OG in the personal finance game, uh, you know, as far as educating people and helping people, um, you know, get their money. And, and, and their money right so you know fast shout to the Watkins for you know for always uh really kind of giving back to the culture and so you know you know today right we have you know we have um you know it, it, it's 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 interesting times we have you know this guy that's in 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 the office I you know I, you know I don't want to give energy to his name uh so we have this 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 president this guy in the office um and you know there's a lot of commentary around financial freedom being our only hope and you know why you know it's important like I like I recently wrote a book called the wake-up call uh using you know the inspiration that, that Jay-Z talked about in his album uh to really give people the how-to on you know how to create economic uh freedom uh and you know one of the statistics as I was writing the book one of the statistics I realized or I saw uh was that um you know the largest employer of blacks or blacks in America is the government 
and there are a lot of cuts, you know, and, and then we got this, you know, this guy in the office. But then the second highest employer of black folks are black businesses. And so, you know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, in the times that we're living in, we see all of this injustice, all of these things happening. You know, wh- why is starting a business the right way, supporting black businesses, you know, all, all of that that you guys stand for in the black business school. Why is that important for the black community today? Like, why does why is it why is it not an option? Why does it have to happen? So because we live in a capitalist society, um, capital is the fundamental currency of power within this country. Right. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, talking about, you know, those with power uh, are those that own the means of production. Mm. You heard it in Maggie Anderson's quote a little earlier in terms of, you know, black people don't really own the means of production. Right. We are consumers. We are consumers of L'Oreal. We're consumers of Hennessy. We're consumers of you know, many other companies out here. Um, but we have no say in regards to the production um, of uh, the things that we actually buy. Now, the reason why, like, a you know, business school like a Harvard or a Stanford or a Cornell or something works for general society is because they already have their financial power base built up. So it's easy for them to go into the corporate world because the corporate world was built for them. Um, most corporations are significantly white-owned and, you know, other folks are owned, but in this country, white-owned. So they can just go in and administer and manage other people's money because it's money that their culture created or stole or however they attained it, they have it and we don't. Mm. We are at a point in history right now where black people uh, need to start building our own ecosystems uh, because that is going to be our foundation for power for the future. So financially, you know, you hear about, uh, you know, businesses giving money to politicians, give, you know, giving money as a form of influence uh, to shape the world that they want to shape. Um, but we are often not a part of that conversation because we do not have that capital, that economic form of power uh, that we need uh, to shape the United States and the rest of the world um, as we see fit. Now, the consequence of that is the fact that, uh, you know, our school systems don't perform. Uh, you know, if something happens, you know, black people are the first to get cut uh, because we don't have that type of power necessary to sustain us over time economically. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. And and so talk, talk, talk to us a little bit about some of what um, the black business school is offering. Uh, what what are some of those things? Some of those courses that's going to help us, uh, you know, you know, learn and, and 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 get on the right foot. Well, you know, the Black Business School is only one function or one piece of a larger vision that we have for the Black community for Black financial empowerment. We call our overall vision uh, ten to a billion or ten to a billion, right? Mm-hmm. So, over the next ten years, uh, we want to create one billion dollars of new Black wealth. Um, for the black community. Mm. So that is our goal. And it goes beyond the black business school. The black business school is definitely a huge part of that. Uh, but that's what we want to do. Um, and, you know, we do that through not just the education, because black people really love education, um, especially black women. Black women are some of the most educated people in the country. But it takes more than education to get what you want. Uh, we need to create, you know, additional investment vehicles to get us there. 
you know, crowdfunding is a good way. Uh, you have private equity, you have VC. There are a lot of, you know, vehicles to get us from point A to point B that, you know, put our education into action, um, which is what we need as a community. Um, but, you know, more specifically in the black business school, the way that we are structured is uh, we have seven key tracks that we're building out over time. We built out some of them, and the other you know, few will be you know, coming a little later on. And these are tracks in regards to, you know, I thought to myself and we thought to ourselves collectively, like what are the key ways that black people um, can, instead of, like what are the opportunities where black people can actually own instead of managing someone else's assets that they never own? And we came up with uh, seven different ways that that can happen, or really six in, in, in one overarching thing that we think is necessary for all the tracks. Uh, those tracks are, uh, so we have securities investing. Um, you can even include commodities, even though it's not security, but you know, that type of investing. Uh, you have real estate investing. You have small business entrepreneurship, right? And we focus a lot of our energy on the small business entrepreneurship piece. You have personal finance, and that's the area that you get your start. Um, you know, if you do work for someone else, how do you go about saving effectively and investing, uh, you know, the money that you make from your job uh, to, you know, keep your wealth and grow your wealth? Uh, so you have, you know, uh, you have sales and marketing. That's another way as well. So if you know how to sell, um, if you know how to market, you can always be independent because those are skills that individuals will always need and companies will always need. And if you create your own company around that, um, you will if you're good at what you do, you will always have um, a source of income. Uh, the last thing is data and technology. And because, of course, we're living in a, an accelerated world right now where computers, not even just computers, artificial intelligence, technology is really taking over and being a driving force in our economy. Uh, and we want to make sure we have classes to capitalize on that. And then the last overarching thing that we focus on is leadership and personal development. Because no matter what it is that you do, um, if you're going to scale, you're going to have to build teams to make that happen. You're going to have to build economies. Um, and if you do that, you're going to need a you know, strong sense of who you are, that's the personal development sense, um, and how to lead others to accomplish your goals uh, that you have set up for your community or whatever industry that you may be a part of. So in regards to like, specific classes that we have, um, we have a, a couple programs that are, are really great um, in, in particular. So we call them our signature programs. One is the Freedom Family Mastermind, and we'll focus on that one. So the Freedom Family, uh, we realized, so the Freedom Family is a family of 300, well, it's a group of 300 families who have a goal of economic independence. Um, and we provide not just a classroom setting in the classroom environment, which they get access to all the classes in the Black Business School, um, but we provide them with additional coaching and community to help them get to their ultimate goals. Because if you know anything about like online learning, you realize that a lot of people buy courses, but they ne never actually take or implement on those courses. And that's the piece that we've been missing as a community. So we created the Freedom Family uh, to you know fill in the gap of that missing piece. It's led by our dean of entrepreneurship. Uh, you may know him. I don't know if you do or not, but uh, uh, Julian Gordon. Um, he runs a site called masterminds.org. Very smart brother. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, two, no, Julian. Yeah, two masters, you know, from Stanford in business and education. Um, and we recruit the best talent to run our programs like that. Uh, we have uh, our most popular course, too, Black Money 102, How to Invest in the Stock Market, uh, which is taught by, you know, Dr. Watkins, my brother. 
um, where he teaches you, you know, everything that you need to know if you want to successfully invest in the stock market. And not even just invest in the stock market, but understand it from a fundamental level and what it is. Uh, but, you know, we're building courses all the time. Our goal is to, you know, basically have courses on each of those tracks um, that dive deeper and deeper into what you're talking about, entrepreneurship, doing business with the government, doing business with entertainment, whatever it is, the Black Business School ultimately wants to have a course related to that subject so you can learn from us. But not just learn, um, that you can actually, you know, use our platform and use, you know, what we have built to actually apply that to your own personal life as well. Man. That's that's like powerful stuff. Like don't you know? Like that's powerful stuff that's doing. And I, I kind of want to go back a little bit though, because um, you, you you talk about this project that 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 you know creating billionaires. Talk to us about that project a little more. Yeah. So it's our ten year strategic vision, right? So we named it uh, ten to a billion or ten to a billion, depending mm-hmm. on what audience we're talking to. Yeah. Uh, and that's our our key economic goal. So we really want to impact the world on five um, main areas. So the first is the economic impact. Uh, so we want to create $1 billion in new black wealth over the next 10 years. Mm. Um, and we want to create the investment vehicles to make that happen and to foster the belief um, and to you know, create that trust uh, to where you know, black people know if they invest their money with us, um, that we are going to make sure that we get them a high return on investment while also benefiting the community at large. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's, that's ultimately going what we want to accomplish over the next 10 years. But we also have other key impact areas, too. So the next one is educational impact. Um, that relates directly to the Black Business School. So we want to have the best black minds teach courses on business um, and, you know, teach the community, right? So one thing that we're really proud of right now is bringing Dr. Claude Anderson, the power of poweronomics, wow. into the uh, Black Business School faculty. He's going to be teaching a course on community and economic development. That's huge. Example. That's huge. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's the, if his voice is the OG, you know, Dr. Anderson's the, right. the, the true OG. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, to, to, right, to another level. Yep. Uh, media impact. Uh, we want to, on the media front, uh, we want to create the largest uh, black uh, content uh, creator and distributor, uh, independent, let me make sure that's you know, stated, independent content uh, creator and distributor uh, in the nation, especially as it relates to uh, financial content. You know, that's what we really care about. Um, because we feel like, you know, we can change people's lives by the information uh, that we leverage or that we share and that we leverage from uh, the minds of others like yourself and, and other black finance experts that are out here uh, to change the community. And we want to, you know, make sure that we grow that as much as we can. Uh, the next is community, community impact. Uh, we don't want to just be an online website or an online type of university or, or organization. Um, our goal over the next 10 years is to have uh, 100 black financial empowerment centers built all over the world. Wow. Um, the first one actually will be opening up in the next few months in Philadelphia, and we'll have a second one opening in Chicago after that. Nice. Uh, so we want to you know, learn that model uh, so that people you know, who may not be online or who want you know, that face-to-face connection don't only have to take courses on the blackbusinessschool.com. They can go to you know, one of our locations um, and take classes there and build a community, community there as well. 
uh, the last area of impact we call our generational impact. Uh, we want to train uh, 10,000 children per year um, directly, and we have a, a broader goal, but directly we want to train 10,000 you know, people per year, or excuse me, 10,000 children per year on the concepts of black financial empowerment and help them actually start their own businesses while they're young and don't have to wait till they're 35 or 40 uh, to actually, you know, get in the game of entrepreneurship. So those are the five key things that we want to do over the next 10 years. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the thing that separates our company from, you know, others in the space is that we have a very clear vision in terms of what we want to accomplish. Uh, but we also have the tools and the organizational resources and knowledge uh, to effectively execute upon that. Um, and I'm excited about, you know, where we, where we will be in 2028. Wow, 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 wow. Now, when you speak about, you know, generating a billion dollars, how important is it that we, we draw back from giving our, com- our money to, you know, these larger companies? Like, you know, like, sp- like exactly how we heard in the clip from earlier. Like, how important is it that, you know, we spend our money in our communities to get to that billion, you know, faster? <laughs> so, you know, I spend... Yeah, I don't know if this is the best example, but I'm going to go with it, right? So I spend a lot of time in Medellin, Colombia. So, you know, that's where me and my wife uh, live at, and we split time between there and the United States as well. Um, and you come down to Medellin, um, people know it's the home of Pablo Escobar. I was about to say that, but uh, I was like, mate, let me not throw that in the mix. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know? You, know, you know, they, they have definitely changed their reputation, their brand over the last, you know, 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. But you still look at the city, and you wonder, you know, given the income level of, like, people here or people there, um, you know, how are they building on these skyscrapers, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that is an example from an illegal space, right? Because we know, we know it's not, you know, corn farming right. <laughs> or anything right. like that, right? Exactly. It is from, you know, money that came to the community and that was invested. Now, the, the way that they gain that money um, is extremely questionable, especially for the black community, given how much, you know, the war and drugs destroyed, you know, our community, Absolutely. right? Um, but it still is a powerful example in terms of what can be built if money stays within the community, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, six hours? Is right. that really true, right? And right. Six hours? Right. Like, that is extremely right. sad for, you know, money leaving our community. So if we ever want to build something that's sustainable, uh, we're going to have to support, you know, the businesses that we create, um, or else we will always be subservient to other groups who are out there who do support their, you know, their companies in their own communities and try to extract as much wealth from ours. Mm-hmm. So that's critically important um, if we ever want to reach this billion dollars in new black wealth. And it's not the much, it's not the billion dollars that's important. It's important, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is using that money to create, um, to empower, to build strong black communities. Um, and money is a tool to make that happen. It's not the only tool that is necessary to make it happen, but it's definitely a vital and critical tool um, to you know, build what we want to build for our great-great-grandchildren. Wow. And, and so, you know, what, if any, uh, pushback, like, ha- like have with everything that you're doing, has the black community embraced you with open arms or what obstacles have you guys faced in, you know, spreading this message and trying to get, you know, you know, uh, you know, build what w- 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 you, what you're building? <laughs> so... A lot of people have embraced us. We have over 50,000, uh, I think we're at 58,000, 56, 58,000 
um, subscribers to the Black Business School, nice. right, who have created accounts you know, on the Black Business School. So that's only a small fraction, but we're very proud of that number and how many people are who are actually supporting us. And I think that the reaction ranges, um, you know, how real can I get on your ass? How real can I get? I mean, you could get real. I mean, we're FCC, so you can't, you know, you can't curse, but you could get as real as you need I to. I don't curse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to curse, yes. but I, you know, there is a, I think there's a, I always think there's a civil war going on in the black community, mm. right? And each uses derogatory terms for the other, but they both have a valuable piece to play in terms of what it is that we're building. Yep. We have, you know, what, you know, conservative black organizations or professional black organizations call the quote-unquote host heifers, yep. right? Um, and then the, the quote-unquote host heifers, you know, call the other group, you know, assimilationist, assimilationist you know, Negroes or something like yep. that, right? Yeah. Yeah, so what they don't understand is they're both being oppressed by the same factions of the same environment, and they both want the same things um, to, a, to a large degree. They just go about doing things a little bit differently, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we get backlash actually from both. <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, and, you know, the, the black business school is positioned like in the middle because here's, here's the thing, right? Those in the professional class of black society – um, they have a tendency, you know, they do very well, they're very professional, but they have a tendency to discard a lot of things that are black. I'm not saying everybody, yep. um, because, you know, my background's in that group too, um, but a lot of them do, and if it's not white, it's not right. So, you know, they are the ones who highly value my degree from an Ivy League institution. Mm-hmm. They value their own degree from Ivy League institutions, that type of thing. Um, but, you know, they live a great life individually, um, but when it comes to the collective building of a new community or something better for black people, uh, they are often hesitant because they are afraid of what other people may think about them for getting involved in those things that are too black. Mm. Mm. On the opposite side, you have the quote-unquote hoteppers that people make fun of, right, a lot of times, or, you know, people on the other side make a lot of fun of who are black conscious, you know, they're black everything, um, but, you know, you know, a lot of people think they take it too far. Um, I think, you know, the biggest problem from our perspective is, like, yeah, we like that mindset. Uh, however, they don't necessarily know how to go about building organizations that are going to lead to true black power. Mm-hmm. Like, how many hashtags are we going to have before we start building power in other areas uh, so that we can effectively fight, uh, you know, the war, the psychological war that's going on uh, to create, you know, black independence? So, you know, they have a, you know, the proper mindset, but they may not have the resources nor the organizational capability um, to do something that's sustainable, you know, for many generations to come. Uh, so we get slack from both of them, but we view both of them as key members in the fight for black liberation and black independence. And we do our best to combine the mental uh, state of, you know, the people, let's call it on the left, right, you know, uh, the conscious community, right? right? with the organizational capacity and the resources um, and professionalism from the people on the right, uh, you know, the, the quote-unquote professional community, and we bring both sides together to create something new and something powerful. Uh, so your question, I mean, to answer your question, that's a long way around it. We get, we get flag on both sides, but we think both sides are very important. 
Um, and we want to do our best that we can to uh, consolidate and to bring together everyone uh, to focus on the true goal. Because true, the, the true goal is black liberation. We both want it, or both sides want it, and uh, the Black Business School is a vehicle to get us from point A to point B. Man, and 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 as and as Sean Carter says, nobody wins when the family feuds. Amen. <laughs> that man, hey, hey, Lawrence, thank you so much, man. Like, like you, you, you I mean, I, 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 try, I, I snuck and kept you longer than I said I was going to keep you because the information that you're giving to us and our audience was so important. Um, and so I appreciate all the work that you're doing, all the work that Dr. Boyce Watkins is, is doing, uh, the, the black business school and definitely, you know, the, the, was it 10 to a Billy? 10 to a billy. 10 to a billy. Like that that is that is so powerful and you know definitely you know you you know you guys have my full support if any, if there's anything I can do uh you know definitely you know love to to continue to support um uh, and then so you know you know in 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 the interest of time if someone wanted to connect with you connect with the Black Business School where can people find you? Yeah, uh, go to theblackbusinessschool.com. Um, you know, you can sign up for a free account. We have free classes within the school too. So make sure that you take you know, some of the free classes that we offer. Um, if you want to connect with me directly, you can always email me at Lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, at voicewatkins.com. That's Lawrence at voice, E-O-Y-C-E, Watkins, W-A-T-K-I-N-S.com. Man, powerful, powerful. Round of applause. For Mr. Lawrence Watkins, the president of the Black Business School, but also, you know, you know, the, the, the captain of the ship, right? The person that's kind of, you know, doing doing a lot of the things. You know, if you're not familiar with Dr. Boyce Watkins, you know, definitely check, you know, check him out. Um, do you know, Dr. Boyce is doing a, a lot of powerful things in in our community. Um, so we appreciate you, Lawrence. Thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate your time and thank you for all that you're doing. No problem. Thank you, Ash, and I hope to speak with you soon, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, man. So you know we don't even have time, man. You know it's it's, that it's that. Is, yeah. Let me just say yes. That didn't seem like an hour. No, I didn't. That and, was no, dope. Yo, that, you know, yo. and I and I feel like you and know, we didn't play no music. We didn't though. play no music. No music. We went straight through that, and, and that's what yo. That's what we need, man. You know, man. I, no, that's like, dope. Like that was such a powerful, powerful yeah. show. Um, you know, really concise. Definitely. It, it, after you listen to the show and make sure, like, if you listen to it live, uh, you know, we will post the show on the podcast. So it's it's the ashcastshow.com, but it's on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, um, iHeartRadio, all that good stuff. But, man, like, if, like, the, the, like the information that was given on today's show, if you don't understand the reason why financial freedom is our only hope, I don't I don't know what I don't know what else to tell you. If you don't understand why it's important to uh, create black businesses, to learn entrepreneurship, to support black businesses, if you don't understand that, then I, I you know I don't know what what else to tell you. All right, so we so so we're we're wrapping up, but before we wrap up, man, I want to I want to wanted to play one last thing, man, cuz I saw this um you know, I saw this interview with Dr. King, um, and Dr. King talks about, uh, and this is one of the interviews that we hardly hear of, uh, but Dr. King is, is, is talking about 
um, the difference between why, you know, foreigners are able to come on this soil and be successful and why it doesn't happen for black folks. Because I hear that a lot, right? Like people always say, well, you know, black people just need to get themselves together, right? Because, you know, think about all the immigrants that come here and do well. Um, and so I want to play this 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 clip real quick. Um, and then that's it, man. We're going to wrap up, man. You know, uh, D West, where can the people find you? You can find me on Instagram, D.W.E.S.T. 151. Same thing for Twitter. And you can also find me on Facebook at Dennis West. We here. All right, man. And I am Ash Cash. Make sure you visit me, IamAshCash.com. Become my friend on Facebook, Facebook.com slash IamAshCash. Follow me on Twitter, Twitter.com slash IamAshCash. And I'm on Instagram, too, Instagram.com slash IamAshCash. We're going to play this quick uh, clip, and I'll see you guys next week. Same time, same, same place. place. Was an immigrant. Peace. Somehow... Not easily, but somehow got around it. Is it just the fact that Negroes are black? White America must see that no other ethnic group has been a slave on American soil. Uh, that is one thing that other immigrant groups haven't had to face. The other thing is that the color became a stigma. American society made the Negroes' color a stigma. America freed the slaves in 19... I mean, 1863, through the Emancipation Proclamation of Abraham Lincoln, but gave the slaves no land or nothing in reality, and as a matter of fact, to, to get started on. At the same time, America was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that there was a willingness to give the white peasants from Europe an economic base. And yet it refused to give its black peasants from Africa who came here involuntarily in chains and had worked free for 244 years any kind of economic base. And so emancipation for the Negro was really freedom to hunger. It was freedom uh, to the winds and rains of heaven. It was freedom without food to eat or land to cultivate. And therefore it was freedom and famine at the same time. And when white Americans tell the Negro to lift himself by his own bootstraps, they don't, they don't look over the legacy of slavery and segregation. I believe we ought to do all we can and seek to lift ourselves by our own bootstraps. But uh, it's a cruel jest to say to a bootless man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. And many Negroes, by the thousands and millions, have been left bootless as a result of all of these years of oppression and as a result of a society that deliberately made his color a stigma and something worthless and degrading. You are now tuned in to the Ash Cash Show. Your number one source for financial motivation. Get your mind and your money right.